Thank you for tuning into Destiny House Church as we seek to draw closer to Jesus. We're so glad you've joined us today. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Court or one of the other anointed speakers as we pursue the Father's heart. to shatter into a million pieces only to be able to be put back together again because he knew the love she would feel for the babies would absolutely wreck her soul. He knew this because he loved the babies first more than she ever could. 
And yet he wanted someone to experience that same kind of love too. Yes, beautifully broken women. So God made a mother. And as God looked down at the babies, each one so fearfully and wonderfully made, he knew they needed a teacher, someone to sit them on their laps, to read them his stories and teach them his truth, to sing them his songs and whisper his love for them. Yes, God-fearing women. Women who would change the world by the shaping of tiny souls while at the same time letting her calling shape her own soul. He knew there would be no one else like her, no one more pure, no destiny more fulfilling, no one the babies needed more. And that's when God made a mother. Come on, can we give a hand to the Lord of what he's done and bringing us these great moms? Come on, y'all can do better than that. Come on. We praise you, God. I want to do something very quickly before seated while you're standing. I want to just pray um, over a couple of things. I want to pray over the moms, of course, but I want to pray over a young man that I just heard about um, a little while ago. And, and let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer right now for Benjamin. Father, we thank you so much for little Ben, this three-year-old young man, a three-year-old that has been diagnosed or is to believe to have some sort of cancer in his leg. <clears throat> we thank you, Father, that you have not proclaimed cancer over this young man. We thank you, Father, that we can stand in this room and we can make it a church and we can believe right now with all the authority that you have, Father, that you are healing Ben this very second, this very moment in time, God. And your will for his life will prevail right now, God. Your power will prevail. I ask that you would comfort his parents and his family right now in Jesus' name. That you would heal this leg. That any talk of amputation would go right now in the name of Jesus, God. We ask you, we petition you, we beg you right now that your heart would move over this situation and that your hand would move with it. We have seen children in this very church healed and alive right now because of your sovereign grace. And I ask God that you would allow us to view a child outside of the walls of this church, God, healed and set free. We pray right now that the power of God would manifest in every broken cell in his body, that it would be built up, that everything would be put into balance, Father, not because of what I say, because of the direct direction and the declaration of your heart, God, to heal this young man. We thank you, Father, and we believe and we trust you completely with this child in Jesus' mighty name. God, I pray today that as we go through this service, as we celebrate, I want to pray for the moms right now. Every blood mom, every step mom, 
Every woman in here that has not been able to bear children, if you're listening to this recording later, this day is for you as well. You have complete value in God. Jesus loves you. He calls you a diamond and a ruby. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. The value that you are in the eyes of Christ is immeasurable for every mom, every person, every woman that has stepped in to that mom role, whether it be through blood, whether it be through non-blood, there is no DNA there, but the DNA of Christ has compelled you to be that mom, to be that mentor, to be that teacher. We love you and congratulate you and we thank you for your passion and pouring into those children. For all the grandmothers that have had to be mothers. Because of a wayward child. Because of a death. Because of drugs and addiction and alcoholism. You grandmothers that have had to step up and be the mom. We thank you. In the name of Jesus we thank you. And we are so grateful for you. That in this fatherless generation, that she would step up not only to be the mom, but many of you moms have stepped up and you've been the dad for the absent father, for the wayward father, the father that ran off for the world. And we thank you for your role in raising your children. You're in some of you are in the midst of it the midst of pain, the midst of hardship, and I want to make you a promise right now. If you do this simple thing, if you keep and you put, let you put and you keep your children, your grandchildren, your adopted children, your foster children, you get them in church. You get them in kids' church. You get the scripture in them. You get people around them that love them and care about them, not because of their own love, but out of the love of Christ. You plant that seed, and I promise you, it will come to harvest. Your children will powerfully and boldly, with accuracy and clarity, demand that Jesus be worshipped at every place that they are. That those same children be part of leading this end time revival that is coming. I promise you, put them in the word of God, put them in church and you will yield a harvest. You may not see it at first, you may not feel it, you may have a lack of faith, you may feel like giving up in the teenage years and the young years of their life, their adult years, but do not give up. Jesus will satisfy the hunger that you have for your children to serve them all the days of their life. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand this morning and thank you for his fulfilling promise and his power. Praise God. You guys can be seated. Thank you, praise team. It's good to see everybody this morning. Oh, man. Thank you, Jesus. You guys know that over a year ago, um, I, I knew a story about a family. I was just blessed to be able to know some of this information um, quicker than most. And I was honored to 
to, to know and be part of um, some much needed uh, prayer and attention. Um, the prayer was centered on God, we need miracle working power in this family. God, we need miracle working power in this womb. We need you to move in power because what the world and the doctors are saying is completely negative. But we know that you are not a God that is negative. You are a God that fulfills the promise of the righteous and the prayers of the righteous. And he did just that. Am I the only one crying today? I mean, give me, I want to see some weepy eyes. Just, I don't know, squirt some alcohol or something in your eyeball. I want to see some love today, amen? But that prayer amounted to so much. And the prayer of the righteous, the prayer of righteous parents would say, no, I'm not going to listen to what a surgeon says. I'm not going to take what a doctor says as the truth because the truth can only be spoken through the will of God. Amen. The will of God is perfect. His plan is perfect. Does it always look the way the court riddle thinks it should look? Absolutely not. But regardless of my view, God's will is perfect. And so today, we first and foremost on this Mother's Day, we, we honor what God has done in the Midcap family. Will you guys come and join me on stage, Ryan and Rachel? And if anybody else wants to come up, boys, come up. And we want to celebrate what the Lord has done with... Uh, Kenna Ray, and y'all come up here on the stage. Look at y'all matching and everything. That's another thing. Oh, that's great. I used to have a dress just like that when I was little. We're not that kind of church people. Oh, that was just a joke. Praise God. Listen, listen, I am so excited for what we have seen God do in, in this family. It's been absolutely Remarkable, Yes, you guys, please come on up here. It's been remarkable to see. I mean, it, is this not a great picture of God's miracle working? So, we welcome you guys up here. Um, so I want to just do something. Uh, Ryan, if you would grab me that anointing bowl right there. And, uh, <laughs> that's okay. So I want us just in a second, I want us to just pray and, and dedicate Kenna uh, to the Lord. We know that she's been around for months now. She's really already been dedicated 150 yeah. times, I'm sure. But we want to just do this officially today and, and honor and, and just, just gratefulness for this little girl and and her brothers that obviously she likes very well. Yeah, yeah, she smiled at me, and that's a miracle in itself that a church member would smile at me. Praise God. But, 
but but what a, what an amazing testimony! I, I just this the stories. I mean, it's endless, but the stories between this couple and this family, uh, the phone calls, and the, just the negative things that were said over this little girl from the world did not stop the hand of God. And I, I want y'all more than more than this dedication. I want y'all to view this sweet baby as. Listen, this is something that God only could do. Yeah. Only God. The reports were that bad. This is only. And she wants to be barefoot and yeah, probably living in Texas, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> West Virginia? Well, yeah. we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that that's from the Lord, Rocket, but whatever. <laughs> I want to just I want to just pray over this little girl. I'm going to come step in front of you guys. Will you guys place your hands towards Kenna right now? Father, we thank you so much for the sweet girl. We thank you for the love in her eyes and the passion that she is going to have for you all the days of her life. Father, we call her blessed from the top of her head to the tips of her toes that everywhere she goes and everything that she does will be blessed of you, God that she will not have sick days in her life, that she is healed completely by you, Father, and we are grateful for it. And her sweet boys, her sweet brothers, her parents, her grandparents, her whole family. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Love you, guys. Got a couple things for you. Thank you, babe. So we got uh, a lullaby Bible for girls, and we got a first Bible for her right there. So here you go, boys. Y'all can carry that. If you want, give me my anointing oil back. I may need that on some of these heathens today. <laughs> okay, listen. Love you guys. Come first. Yes, yes. Come on. Stick it up. Yes. Ryan's just making comments about his own children. It's okay, guys. It's okay. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Let's give the Lord a hand one more time this morning. Praise God. As I said in, in my prayer a few minutes ago, um, I, I want us just to just to get on this, this track this morning of our value. Um, I think many of us today have misplaced. Um, our value in God for something that the world would call self-worth. Anybody heard of self-worth before? Building self-worth and accomplishing self-worth and maybe doing some things in your life that, that you would consider worthy, that you would consider um, good or righteous or, or um, even something that is profound that you do in your life that you would say, hey, I, I feel some real self-worth in accomplishing that. Well, this morning, I want to I wanna rebuke <laughs> that thought of self-worth and concentrate for a few minutes this morning, our God-worth. How many of you know that the, the, the only worthy part about us is the Jesus that lives on the inside of us? Amen. Y'all can say amen out loud. This is a amen. Pentecostal church. You can get verbal. It's okay. 
It's okay. The Bible actually has many passages that tell us what God has to say about our worth and our value in his eyes. Genesis 1 says that we are made in his image, the very image of God. Psalm 139 says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and all the days of our lives were written in God's book before we were even born. Confirming his prior knowledge and plan for our lives. Ephesians 1.4 says God chose his children before the foundations of the earth were even formed. Ephesians 1 says we are God's own possession. Chosen for the praise of his glory. And that we have an inheritance in heaven with him as his children. Notice with all those just few scriptures that I read, the wording in each of the above phrases are made, are fearfully and wonderfully made, were written, God chose his children, we are God's own possession, we have an inheritance. These phrases all have a commonality. They are things done to us or for us by God. They are not anything that we can do for ourselves. Are you guys awake this morning? Say amen. Amen. There is nothing that you can do for yourself to build self-worth. It is a lie. It is a joke. It is a facade. It is a lie that has been told to us for many as, as children that if you accomplish this, then you will have more self-esteem. How many of you know that doesn't work? Now, I'm not talking about mere confidence. As you learn things and you do things and you build things in your life with the gifts that God has given you, yes, it builds your confidence. Am I more confident in ministry now than I was 25 years ago? Absolutely, because God has built confidence in me as I've gone through mistakes and failures and running away and walking out and, and being infuriated and being down and being depressed and going through all those emotions of the Christian life. But God's worth for us is so much more. And I just want to spend a few minutes on a passage of scripture that all of you know, that all of you have heard. And so right when I start reading it and announce the address, I want you to forget about some of the things that you know about the scripture. And I want you to open yourself up to what God wants to remind you this morning about the value that he has in you. Look at your neighbor and say, I got value today. you don't have a neighbor, just be praying that the church fills. Praise God. Amen. Most of you would, stay, would say, and most people would say, Pastor, this, the scripture has been used too much. This passage has been used too much. It's, just, it's such an old school preaching passage. But I would say to you guys today as we go through this, that it's a passage that's not used enough in this day and age. And that is 
John chapter 4, starting in verse 3. So Jesus left Judea and departed again to Galilee. And the Bible says there in verse 4, but he needed, some of your versions say, he had to go through Samaria. Now, mostly all of you, probably 85% of you know that this story is about the woman at the well. The Samaritan woman that had absolutely no self-worth in, in, in herself. She had no confidence. She was living a lie. She was a liar. She was a manipulator. She is, she's a wounded woman, a, a, a wounded spirit. She's been, been bleeding on everybody else for years because she has been seeking a medication in her life that has not made her well. That medication has been relationships with multiple men, multiple marriages, and nothing has worked for her. Does this sound familiar for anybody in here today or those listening online? <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Connor, for raising your hand. So cool. So, can you see here? I just, I, I want to just take some. Just if you guys can just give me a little bit of time this morning, like maybe an hour and a half, okay, is all I'm, all I'm asking. And I want to show you here, in verse 4, Jesus doesn't see your value and showing you your value in him as inconvenience. He makes a detour that many would say, even his disciples that that was an inconvenient detour. You're, you're going all the way this way for one woman. Isn't that the entire gospel right there in that one scripture? That he needed and had to go through Samaria. It was not about bringing together some type of major miracle. It wasn't about drawing crowds. It wasn't about any of that. It was about Jesus meeting a woman that needed to hear from a real man. She'd been dealing with boys for years, and in verse 5, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sakar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and he meets you. It says he meets you, or I say this because I, I want you to understand that, that this land, this, this anointed land here, God meets us on anointed ground before we even know that we're anointed. God met him on the sacred anointed plot of ground Knowing what's going to happen, knowing that he is going to pull this woman out of the dirt, out of the miry clay, out, out, if you will, out of hell, out of the grips of hell. This is what this encounter is about. This is an encounter of, of what salvation is supposed to be. That when you meet with Jesus and you make a commitment to Jesus, that it is a 180 degree turnaround. Being a Christian is not saying a prayer, walking out of the church, and your life continues the way that it's always been. That's not what salvation is. Amen. 
Salvation is change. Religion does not change you. Legalism does not change you. Your parents cannot change you. But Jesus absolutely can and will if you make the allowance for him to do so. You got to say yes. You got to say yes to God. Say yes out loud right now. I'm not sure you know how to verbalize that. Say yes again. Yes. Say no. Because you both, you know how to say both. But we're so good at saying yes to sin and no to God. We're so good about ignoring the one man in our life that meets our needs before we even have a need. At verse 7, a woman in Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Do you guys know that Jesus doesn't care about your background? He doesn't care about the color of your skin. He doesn't care about how poor you are or how rich you are. He doesn't care about any of that. He doesn't care about your past. He doesn't, he doesn't focus on the things that you have done. He focuses on the right now. The moment right now, the moment where you say, hey, you know what? I'm, I don't even know that I'm actually a Christian. I've been playing like one. I've been talking like one. I've been going to church like one. I've been tithing like a Christian. I've been doing these things like a Christian. But, 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 but am I really truly sold out and on fire for God? I want to challenge you today on this Mother's Day. Are you on fire for God? Are you sold out? Is he the number one love in your life? Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I wrote here early this morning, Jesus builds value in us when he exposes who he truly is. For you to know the value of you, you first got to know his value. If you don't know his value, you're going to always wonder what value in God actually is. Without the death, and well, without the punishment, without the scars on his backs and his ankles and his wrists, without all of that, it's hard for anybody to realize the true value of God. Because if you don't understand the, 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 the cliff note version of the gospel, which is four words, Jesus died for you. It's four words, right? Okay, it's four. I was counting in my head, but I'm not very good at math, so I thought it was five. Jesus cares so much about us. You know, when we're talking about the love of Jesus for us, we should be more excited about that message than any other message in our life. We should be more excited knowing that, that we can leave this place today and we can celebrate our moms knowing that we have our moms because of the value that Jesus put in them. Not that we place 
how many of you today are going to leave here and go stand in a really long line to go to a restaurant? Just raise your hands. Uh, no? Oh, a few? You guys are pretty new. We'll pray for you. Praise God. <laughs> yeah, made reservations. Smart. Smart. I love it. I love it. What's your name and what's the party number? <laughs> so I, I just loved it. In verse 11, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, and as well as his sons and his livestock? You know, some, it's amazing. She had some Old Testament knowledge without any New Testament revelation. Some of us today, we've got Bible knowledge, but we really don't have a revelation of who Jesus Christ is to us. We have knowledge. We can quote uh, some scripture. You know, we can quote, quote some favorite scriptures, some scriptures that are great scriptures, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a great thing to have scripture memorized so that you've got it ready and prepared to use at any moment's time for the attacks that are coming to your life. You, you better know the word. You better have some word in you. But more so than, than having something memorized is actually knowing the guy that wrote the word. If you just have knowledge without wisdom, how far can you really go in your life? If you just have knowledge from, if, if your knowledge is based on what you hear coming from the pulpit, uh, you, don't, you don't have enough word in you. You build up your relationship with God in a secret place. You build up your time with God in a secret place. A, a secret place that says, God, I want to get closer to you. If there is no secret place present in your life right now, I would challenge you to start thinking about why you don't want that. Why is every vacation, why is every trip, why is every Paycheck more important to you than your secret time with God? Why is your phone? I read a thing, I, I read a thing the other day, or maybe it was a video, and it was talk, it was a, the minister talking about your cell phone, and, and he was saying, you know, you have your hands on your cell phone way more than you do your spouse. You have your hands on your cell phone way more than you do wrapping your arms around your children. That your cell phone is within an arm's length or it's on you. When that thing beeps or rings or buzzes or moves around, you jump from what you're doing to go and figure out who's trying to contact you or what Facebook notice that you received or what thumbs up or happy face that you got from your beloved post. Man, I wonder what would happen if God said today, to this church. Hey, Cord, I want you to let the church know I'm coming back today. I'm coming back today. Whether Destiny House is ready or not, I'm coming back today. Would you still be concerned about your phone? Would you still be concerned about your mortgage? You still be concerned about the person that's offended with you, the person that's not talking to you, the 
person that's talking bad about you, would you still be concerned with those things? Hopefully the answer would be no. Your concern would be, oh man, I, I got some notice. Can I tell you today that Jesus has already given us notice that he's coming back? That he's not going to give us another notice? There's not going to be anything except the rapture, the rapture of the church that's coming. And the second coming after that, which, by the way, will be with them in the second coming. Wouldn't this Mother's Day be a lot better if it, when we thought about our moms and the people in our life that have helped us, rescued us, that we draw from the well of understanding and believing that it's because of God that you have that mom, that you have that person in your life. It's okay to have Bible knowledge, but it's, it's not okay to not see the new covenant standing right in front of you. This woman saw Jesus right in front of her in verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will never thirst again. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. It, it, it never stops. The relationship and the outpouring of Jesus never stops. Y'all should say amen to that. Amen. Man, y'all are rowdy this morning. I don't know what to do. I feel like, I mean, maybe I need to get ordained in a Southern Baptist convention or something. Uh, I mean, y'all need to, you know what, let's take a praise break. Stand up with me, and, and let's just thank God that we're alive today right now. Come on, let's just thank you. Jesus, we thank you. We're alive. We're breathing. We're living today. We're moving around because of your glory, God. Come on, let's give him a cheer. Let's give him an offering. Thank you, Father, that you sent your son to die for us. Amen and amen. I hope you be seated. <clears throat> Don't mess with me, people. <laughs> Don't. Praise God. I love this. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. It's amazing. When we stop seeking self-worth, and you accept God's worth, you'll stop drinking from dirty, non-nourishing wells. What well did you drink from this week? That's wrong. You don't want to answer? You don't want to answer because you know that you drank from some wells this week that are saltwater wells. If you want your thirst and your hunger to build and you want to dehydrate and you want to eventually die, spiritually die, then all you got to do is keep drinking salt water. It's like being in, in, in the boat in the, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. It may be pretty. It may be blue. You may like your suntan for the moment. But when you start burning and dehydrating and you have all this water around you, you've got this well of water around you, but you can't drink one drop of it because it'll kill you. 
This is what a life of sin is like. When you refuse to, to repent of sin and allow the Holy Spirit to push sin, push addiction out of your life, you are in that ocean and you're putting your head under the water and you are drinking something that will kill you. Jesus said to her in verse 16, go call your husband and come here. What is he doing here? He's leading her. He's leading her out of lies and deception into truth. He's not manipulating. He's leading her and teaching her to understand. And in verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have said you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, now get this, woman. Believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Then he goes on and he says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Can, can you imagine Jesus is saying to us right now this message? God is seeking people to worship him in realness and authenticity without our masks. Can Destiny House be in the realm of this anointing where we worship God in spirit and in truth and for no other reason not to come here and plead for a blessing? But in the pureness of our relationship with God, we lift up our hands, we get on our knees, we come to the altar because we've got a living God that desires our worship. And yet we come in here time and time and time again as fake, unresolved, unrepented people, sheep heading to a slaughter. Happy Mother's Day. Jesus is teaching her and is teaching us that the climate of worship must be to an audience of one. The climate of our worship must be to an audience of one. We don't need more pastors that seek an audience over one. We don't need people on the worship team that want an audience of people. There's no anointing and no resolve in it. You are here to be pleasing to Jesus. Him and Him alone. Everything else is a sidebar. 
Well, what about love God, love people? Well, if you're not truly in love with God, you're never going to love people. In fact, you're going to hate them. It's not hard to hate people. When you're in a bad relationship with God, it's very easy to be upset and hateful towards people. Look at your neighbor and say, people are nuts. Look at your other neighbor and say, you're nuts. Just do it. I'll help you later next week. Come back next week. I'll help you. We are so loony without Jesus. And some of us are so loony without Jesus that we say we're loony because we don't have a relationship with Jesus. Some of you have a relationship. You love God, but you just can't get out of the rut of being you. You notice how everybody in this world will say to you, you just be you. Oh, no, no, no. You don't want that from me. No, no, you you don't want to go down the path of court riddle, being court riddle. It's bad. There's a certain young lady back there smiling at me, and I don't know if it's a good smile or a bad one. I think it's a split decision. You want to conform to the image of Christ Jesus. Be yourself. Oh, well, that's gotten me so far in life. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be a reflection of his glory. I don't want to ever say, oh, man, that person got healed because I prayed for him. How, how foolish Amen. and unscriptural is that? We got people running around all over the place that, that other Christians are sort of sending money to you, and they call themselves healers. Really, can you show me that in the Bible? Jesus is the healer. Jesus uses us as conduits for his glory here on earth. But let's not forget, he can talk through a donkey too. Uh-oh. That'll humble you. Oh, God spoke to me today. I'm so proud. He spoke to I had a word of knowledge. People got saved. Praise the Lord. Oh, yeah, he can speak through a donkey, too. You know, there's another word for a donkey. All right. When we went a little redneck, we'll pull it back. We'll pull it back. I didn't say it. I so wanted to, though. Because we do. We act like a bunch of donkeys. Don't we? And when we're acting like donkeys, we gotta we gotta go back and say, Jesus, you know, I've really made a mistake by acting like a donkey today. I've been doing this too long to slip up now. Y'all don't y'all don't I said my board members are like, we're gonna get you, Courtney. <laughs> we're gonna get you on something. love this. He's, this final part of this story. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called the Christ. And he's just like, hey, look over here. It's me. 
Verse 26, I who speak to you am he. Right? And then we, ver then we move over to verse 27. And at this point his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then, now catch this, is so, this is so powerful in so many ways. Verse 28, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? You know, leaving the water pot there can represent so many things, but in the context of this morning, the context as we celebrate Mother's Day, the context as we celebrate what Jesus has done in women, in men. In this moment, this water pot represents the years the Samaritan woman devalued herself. How many years have you spent devaluing yourself? I'm going to give you an example. When you're talking to somebody, and, and listen, I've done this many times. All of you have done this. You'll start out with telling somebody something, and you'll start out devaluing yourself before you even start saying the point of the matter. And you'll say, I'm sorry, but... Don't you think that what you had to say was of value? Why are you devaluing yourself by always saying you're sorry when you didn't even do anything wrong? Pastor, I'm sorry. I just got to touch. Whoa, hold on. Don't say that you're sorry to me. You don't, I don't even know what's going on. At least do something wrong first before you say I'm sorry. Right? Let's, let's have a major mistake first. Just go ahead and have a meltdown and then you can say I'm sorry. But don't devalue yourself by saying I'm sorry or, or, or say something like this in conversation. Hey, I just want you to know. And I could be very wrong. I could be, I could be the one that's wrong. Why are you devaluing yourself like that? Well, here's the answer to that question. Because you're putting security in what you think about something instead of security in what God thinks about you. When you have full security in how God views you and the value that you are to the kingdom of God, you'll stop being shy all the time. You'll stop apologizing for things you never did wrong. You'll start realizing, because guess what? There's nothing humbling about devaluing who God has called you to be. Y'all should like that phrase right there. There's nothing, there's, and guess what? There's also nothing prideful about being confident in who God has created you to be. Amen. You should approach things like, hey, you know what? I'd like to do that. I'll help fix that problem quickly with the Lord. Okay. Somebody came to me the other day and said, Pastor, can we do this and this? I said, sure, but I'm not going to do it. Well, who's going to do it? You are. 
Oh no, pastor, that's not what I meant. It doesn't matter. <laughs> You're not going to devalue yourself by not following through with the vision that God gave you. You're going to fulfill that vision. I don't care if it's a minute little, hey, pastor, can I go and change that light bulb that's on top of the roof? It could be treacherous. Uh, you know, I don't know what the church insurance is like. Well, I don't know what the church insurance is like either. It's pretty good. So if you fall, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll have a great memorial service for you. <laughs> we're, we're not going to pay the funeral home, but we'll have the service free here at the church. Praise God. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> but don't, don't devalue yourself. Amen. <laughs> this water pot represents the deconstruction of herself. She left the way. This just seems so physical, but it's so spiritual. She, she left the water pot there and started running. I, I love in the chosen, this, this picture of this. The scene in John 4 where she, she's just running down the road, just excited. Isn't that the, the embodiment of the gospel right there? I remember when I was sitting in a, and I'll close with this worship team if you want to come up. It took me about 30 minutes to close. I remember sitting in a, in a locker room, and my coach was talking to me at 15 years old, and I was the only person not saved in this little Christian school. And he led me to the Lord. I accepted the Lord. And, and the next day, I was just so excited. That night, even that night, I went home and told my parents, hey, guess what? I got saved. They're like, what's that mean? I was like, oh, guess I'll be the only one excited. So I went to school the next day and I said, hey, guess what? Oh, you know, Court, we heard you got, you got saved. This is so awesome. And, and here's what's going to happen. Here, we want to help you and support you. And, 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 and you know, and, and all these folks said they've been praying for me for months to accept the Lord. Our value in God. Unfortunately, sometimes other people can see before we can see it in ourselves. Allow the Holy Spirit to come beside you through friendships in your life. Because those people that God sends you to come around you will help you to realize your value. Now let me warn you. The enemy is also going to send people to come and get next to you and by your side. You know what you say to them? Adios, amigo. You say, take care. I have no interest in going down the road of somebody or some spirit trying to devalue what God values. Y'all stand with me. The price tag on your life is high enough that Jesus gave his life for you. Amen. I don't think we really understand that. 
Because we're still trying to put this non-theological formula together that says, oh, well, I did this. And I did this and I drank from that well last night. Pastor, I drank from that well last night. How could God be happy with me right? Well, he's not happy with you right now, but you can change that through what's called repentance. When you go to your father and you admit your mistake and you say, guess what? I've been wretched. I've been arrogant. I've been prideful. I've been, I've been a thief. I've been a murderer. I've been an adulterer. I've been, I've been this. I've been that, God. He says, okay, well, what's next? And he prompts us. This is what the woman of the well is about. The prompting of our Savior to say, you've been living a lie. Now it's time to come home. It's time to drink from a well that will not only satisfy you, but it's a constant fountain of fresh, nourishing water. A water that comes from the well springs of the kingdom of God. I want you to close your eyes right now. What well have you been drinking from? 